I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Sportsbeat After Hours. We're back. I am Hemahimuli Jr. And joining me as always on the ones and twos, the local belovable Canuck himself, Zach Hicken. Hema, what is up, brother? Um, we made it. That's we made all it. Say. We made it. What did we make it to? We made it to the start of college football. We're back. Woo! Fall camp's back. We start... Um, our high school football coverage in two weeks. Yes, sir. Two weeks away. I can't believe it. This has been the fastest summer ever for us. Thank you, Utah Jazz, yeah, for thanks, Utah Jazz, uh, making this like a really fun summer. We also had a lot of great stuff. We had like Preston Summerhays that we covered um, Tony in golf. Finau. Tony Finau um, had had a great finish at, at the uh, at the Open, formerly uh-huh. known as the British Open. We had uh, Mike Petke's rants to keep us going for yeah, the slim months. Real Salt Lake. We had Women's um, World Cup. Women's World Cup. We uh, we had trips to uh, L.A., Las Vegas. Two trips to Las Vegas. New York. Yeah. Future trips to New York. Yes. Future trips to Ve- uh, LA Knoxville, well. Tennessee, L.A., uh, Seattle. We uh, uh Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That's right. We're going. Yep, guys, our football coverage this year is going to be lit. That's what the kids are saying. I <laughs> wow, I just made myself I'm, feel really old. I'm but, so excited. Dude. Um, fall camp's back. Let's stop burying the lead. Um, BYU, Utah, both open up on Wednesday. Utah State open up Thursday. Weber State open up Friday. So it's just like Woo! bam, 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 bam. Football in your face. Football all day, every day. Um, just how we like it. We love it. They're, the Hall of Fame game in the NFL was Thursday night. So we will no longer go. This is the last weekend that we don't have football on on a weekend because NFL preseason week one starts this Sunday uh, or Thursday, excuse me. But mm-hmm. anyway, I'm stoked. I, I can't believe it's back. Um, and uh, it's been fun covering these teams. Yeah. Um. I mean, I've primarily been a guy throughout my career that has just kind of been penciled in covering BYU. Well, I've had opportunities so far this this fall camp to go cover Utah at their camp twice. I am probably going up to Utah State next week, mm-hmm. possibly. Logan's beautiful in football season. 
It's Logan's great. always great. great. It's yeah. super underrated. Super underrated. In fact, like during the football season, I volunteer to cover those games just because Maverick Stadium is so cool in the evening up there. Um, yeah. Don't lie, you want to go to like Angie's and Blue yeah. Cafe and stuff like that. Yep, clean that sink. Yep. Um, there's so much good football in this state this year. You can't help but be excited. Whether you're a BYU fan, an Aggie fan, a Utah fan, so much good ball going to be happening so i'm pretty excited about that don't leave out those wildcat fans that's true they are expected to finish second in the uh, big sky so shouts to my uh, brother and brother-in-law that played uh weaver state yeah um but let's start with the furthest team south byu Mm -hmm. um some of the storylines coming out of their fall camp what's going on with zach wilson that's what people have been wondering all summer he had off-season shoulder surgery wow say that 10 times fast (laughs) off-season shoulder surgery okay yeah let's not actually do it we got (laughs) um so zach wilson sounds like he's progressing really well uh jeff grimes said the other day byu's offensive coordinator said that he's the best that zach is at the best he's ever looked wow pretty high praise coming from a guy um that has a lot of experience playing um being around high caliber offenses yeah um first stint is an offensive coordinator but he coached it um in the acc and the sec so um pretty high praise pretty cool to get that feedback for zach wilson and it's good for byu fans to hear just because you never want to hear that hey by the quarterback way. is having <laughs> yeah uh surgery in the offseason because his, his shoulders hurt and he's gonna miss spring ball mm-hmm. uh during his recovery but BYU fans can still be very excited because, you know, just you think about Zach Wilson's the end of his year last year, a perfect, perfect ball game in the bowl game, mm-hmm. a win, by the way, uh, first bowl game win for a while, and they're already saying that he looks better than he did last year, which is crazy Insane. to think about, and something that's kind of funny about this the momentum that they're carrying from that bowl win over western michigan that that was a step in the right direction for this program especially after that after that tumultuous year two that they yes. had where um really great year one for Kalani with uh a senior running back and a senior quarterback mm-hmm. and then they took like 15 steps backwards in year two and they needed to prove that hey you know Kalani can can win with this program yeah he came out and did he he they finished really well to close out that season in that bowl game. And they've taken that positive momentum, that energy that they had, and they've applied it to their off-season workouts, their summer player-run practices, mm-hmm. and now to fall camp. And that was one thing that Ed Lamb talked about was on day one, every program in the country is going to come out with good energy on day one. Right. But some of the things that you're going to see is you're going to see some chippiness. You're going to see guys fighting, mm-hmm. throwing punches at each other. Um, they, they're getting frustrated with each other because they've been going up against each other all all summer yes. and now this is like the first time that they're actually being able to uh be physical and really compete in front of coaches for a spot. Yeah. But you know these guys are they're playing through the whistle and then when they're done they pat each other on the helmet and then they go and get back in their stance and they go do it again. Yeah. And so them kind of being united in this purpose that hey you know we're all pushing each other to get better we're all competing but you know what? we're together in this. We're not fighting against each other we're helping build each other up yeah is a positive thing to hear um fr- from the byu coaches in my opinion so speaking of in in competition um talk a little bit about the running back position because we already know who the quarterback's going to be 
who's going to be the running back? So, um, speaking of the running backs, Jeff Grimes also said that it might be a running back by committee approach, and that's the likely thing that we're going to see. They have they have four guys who I think could realistically see um, ten to fifteen carries in in a given game and be successful. You got Lapini Katoa. I think he's if anyone's um, the clear cut favorite to be like the number one back, it's Lapini. I told you my first day coming back from fall camp down in Provo, Lapini looks cut, man. He's always been a really skinny little running back. Mm-hmm. Um, or he, he's always looked lighter than he really is. Right. He's a pretty good-sized kid. Mm-hmm. His arms are thick, and he's cut. He hit the weight room this offseason. He looks cool. good. His his body's thicker, and he still looks – I mean, he looks more explosive than he did last year. He's been doing a lot of work with cutback elite Jamal Willis. Perfect. Um, and so – a lot of those videos are going up, and it's like his footwork looks really, really good. Um, Tyson Williams looks – I mean, he passes the eye test. He's another guy that passes sure. the eye test. SEC running back coming from uh, South Carolina, former four-star back. I mean, he has the tools to get it done. And he looks like an every-down back. He looks like an every-down back. Now, I, I think that people are forgetting how good Lapini was right. in year one. He was a freshman last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's going to be a really good running back for BYU. Now, I there were concerns with his injury history, mm-hmm. and I understand that. And so that's why they go out and get two grad transfers in Tyson Williams and then Emmanuel Supa, who came from Rice. Emmanuel, I think he's probably the fourth guy. He's more of a he's a big bruising back. Like if you think of like some of the big backs that BYU had back in the day, like Algie Brown, Paul yeah. Lasique, yeah. Fui Vakapuna. Like these are guys that, yeah, you know what, they could break out for a hundred yard game, but mm-hmm. like they're used in different ways in the offense. Primarily I think Emmanuel is going to be used in the pass catching out of the oh, backfield. Interesting. He he did that a bit at Rice. I think that that's an element that Jeff Grimes wants to add to this offense. Yeah. And I think that Emmanuel might be more skilled than those other two that we've already mentioned. Wow. Just in that aspect. That's impressive because I remember from spring ball, Lopini was catching balls out of the backfield. Yeah, and I think really Lopini well. could do it, but yeah. we just haven't seen it yet in the yeah. game. Um, so I, I would love for Lopini, just for the sake of the continuity and mm-hmm. him being the guy pretty much straightforward for the next two years, kind of that one-two tandem with Tyler Algier, and then maybe mixing Jackson McChesney. Granted, we're projecting a few years out. Um, kind of taking that spot and taking yeah. a role in, hey, you know what? His feet are put to the, the fire right now, mm-hmm. and he's going to feel that pressure that, hey, they brought in guys because they don't think I can do my job. Yeah. He looks like he put in that work during the offseason, has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He looks really good. Now we'll see if that pays off during the, the during the season. Um, the last guy I wanted to talk about is Tyler Algier. Okay. Kind of had a little bit of a breakout season. Last year he redshirted but played in four games. Um, and he had a couple nice runs, especially the one against New Mexico State in uh, on that senior night game um, where he broke free for a long run and was like tackled like a yard shy of the goal line. He's a guy that I think is going to do good things this year. Yeah. Um, he's going he's gonna to impress. Um, and you know what? The thing that's really good about this running back group mm-hmm. – is they have some hogs up front in front of them. That's the thing. Probably the best part of the offense. It's the best part of the team. Absolutely. Not just the best part of the offense. Yes. I did a story about this on kslsports.com. Guys, go check it out. This is my plug. Um, I, I uh, had an interview with James Empey, and then uh, Jeff Grimes talked about it a little bit. Okay, Jeff Grimes, like I said earlier, he coached offensive lines 
in the SEC and the ACC. Okay, mm-hmm. he coached at Auburn, he coached at LSU, he coached at Colorado, he coached at Boise State. These are big name programs. Yeah. He coached at BYU in 2005, 2006, and I think 2007. Check me on that. That was one that's probably BYU's last great offensive line. He said that this might be the deepest offensive line that he has ever coached. Wow. Ever. That's insane. This is not a guy who throws around praise like that sure. all willy-nilly. Yeah. And he knows the concept, context that he's comparing it up against. Yeah. you got two freshman All-Americans, Brady Christensen, your boy yeah, from Battlefield boy High School, and James Empey, yeah. another American fork yeah. um, stud well, to go along with Lopini. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Tristan Hodge, who he's all inked up. He's looking huge. Dude, he I looks, love his ink, by the way. Yeah, it looks great. It's uh, I think it, um, it it's Dutch. You, you guys will have to okay. go check that out. It's um, really cool. Ben Criddle tweeted it out, and there, there was a little bit of back and forth uh, with with Tristan's dad. But, um, yeah, just these guys that they're going to have up front, they're going to be really good. They only lose one starter from last year in Austin Hoyt. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys want more of an in-depth breakdown of that offensive line, go check out our BYU preview podcast because we really went in-depth with Mitch Harper, like position by yeah. position and what we expect from each of these guys. But, like, James Empey said that they have a goal to be the best offensive line in the country, and they are young, but they could do it. And they look really good They look right really now. good because, like, James Empey, like, this is a guy that's going to anchor this offensive line for three more seasons. Yeah. Brady Christensen is going to be in that left tackle spot for or right tackle, just depending on where they move him, for another three seasons. Mm-hmm. Tristan Hodge, you know, he's a guy that has, how depending on how the season turns out this year, he could leave for the NFL after this year. He's a junior, so yeah. potentially, and again, we're projecting out to twenty twenty. This could be the best offensive line that BYU has ever had in the history of the program in twenty twenty if everyone returns. And you know, with that backfield. And that quarterback, dude, they, it could the future looks bright for BYU. Twenty twenty is going might be a great season for BYU, but yeah. we're not talking about twenty twenty. We're talking about uh, fall camp twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, and another quick position, you guys can keep an eye out for this. Um, I'm doing a tight end preview. I'm kind of focusing on Moroni Laulu Pututau. I'm mm-hmm. hoping to um, catch up with him. This week, but I caught up with Matt Bushman. Like these tight ends are looking good. Okay, yeah. they lost Dallin Holker, um, but they returned Moroni after mm-hmm. he tore his ACL. He is on a pitch count, but um, he's going to be able to help out a lot. And then Matt Bushman has just been phenomenal the last two years. Like, yeah, he's been great. He's going to be really good. So, young team, but I, I like what I'm seeing from BYU so far. Nice. Now let's talk about. Let's head up north and talk about the opponent that BYU is going to be facing in game one, Utah. All right. Um, between you and I, I think we only missed one day of Utah fall camp. And that was, was when yesterday. everything exploded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In case you guys haven't noticed, um, KSL was like radio silent for like <laughs> All day three hours yesterday. Yeah. Um, crazy day. We'll talk about that later in the podcast. We have a we actually have an interview. We'll talk about that after to give it a little more context. But, yeah. Um, that was the only day of Ute of Ute fall camp that we missed. And yeah. Like I'm bummed that we that we missed it because I'm me and Zach go up there. I usually go up to the hill to to cover all this stuff. But at the same time, I don't think we missed much, just because we know who Utah is. Really. We know who Utah is, and one thing that Kyle did say that after that fourth practice on Saturday, this is the best practice that Utah's had mm-hmm. so far in fall camp. So 
with the talent that they have, that that's good. So some of the storylines that we're heading into fall camp, how are the how is the offense going to learn uh, under another offensive under a new offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig? Yep. How are they adjusting to what he's bringing in the new scheme, going from a spread offense to more of a pro style uh, with some West Coast incorporated? And Hema, you actually asked a couple guys about I that. I actually got to talk a little bit to Britton Covey. Um, Another guy that's in the spotlight that's that's got a lot of interest, um, especially as far as Utah football goes, because you know he's coming off of it. He's recovering from an injury. He's so explosive, and uh, they definitely can use him in the Pac-12 championship at the end of this year. Um, but Britain actually had this to say when we asked him about offensive coordinators and how the team is dealing with learning underneath all of them. It's kind of been an interesting history of Utah with offensive coordinators, but one thing it does teach you is the skill of picking up a new offense. And, uh, you know, I think Coach Witt's done a good job of trying to keep some of the terminology the same or the blocking schemes at least. And uh, it's a skill you develop. I mean, just learning a new playbook. Most of the schemes are the same across the nation or in Madden, anything like that. So, <laughs> so yeah, so... Um... What Britton said is true, you know, of all the lessons that the offense can learn, it's that they have learned to how to learn under a new offensive coordinator, which is really interesting and really insightful on his part. Um, And, you know, the more I talk to each of these players and in regards to their learning curve and how that's been going, the more I'm confident in the offense and that they'll pick it up. Um They've tried to keep the blocking schemes the same as last year. They've tried to, they obviously have the same, almost the same personnel on the offense as last year. Um, Just a little bit different on the offensive line. Yeah. These are guys that were still in the program. Uh Same coach still, Jim Harding's still up there, and he's always developed offensive line. Yeah. And so I really, my personal opinion is I'm super confident in the offense. They look really good. Um, Especially if you consider that they have a returning starter in. Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss, two of the biggest pieces of the offense right now. Well, and one thing too is that like Utah is playing to its strengths. Yes. It is a downhill run game with twelve personnel, two tight ends, one back. Like they are going to ground and pound. And when you have a running back like Zach Moss, who could easily go for seventeen hundred plus yards and twenty touchdowns this season, like yes. he could have a, a an outstanding senior year. The sky's the limit for him, especially in this offense, because they're going to let him haul the rock. For sure. They're probably going to carry the ball 30 to 35 times a game, and guess what? He's going to get 25 to 30 of those carries, yeah. and he can withstand it. I mean, he's he's built. He's ready. Like, he's hungry. He looks yoked, Yeah, like, way. he is just – he's excited for this opportunity because this is what he came back to Utah for for his senior yes. year, is to lead this team, lead this offense – in their pursuit for a Pac-12 championship. So mm-hmm. um, he, Zach Moss is going to be like that main focal point. And th- that's, I mean, Andy Ludwig is coming to one of the best situations that you can oh, as an absolutely. offensive coordinator. And uh, like, like I mentioned earlier, they're going to play a lot of 12 personnel, two tight yes. ends. They have two studs absolutely. at tight end. Yeah. You've got... Um, Brant Keithy. And Cole Fotheringham. Yeah. A.K.A. Uh, 
the one that carries you. The Cole Falderingham's going to carry this team. <laughs> He's going to carry this team, and it's going to be one set of footprints in the sand. So, if you haven't seen what he looks like, if you don't know who Cole Falderingham is, look him up. You'll you'll get where I'm getting. At. He's got the beard grown out, the yeah. hair grown out. He's looking good. Yeah, and he's not just looking good personally. He's looking good on the football field. Absolutely. Like, he's he's um in, in the limited footage, like he looks like a different player. He had just come back from his mission. He was like two months back from his mission when the season started last year. Mm-hmm. Had a breakout freshman year. Great hands. This is a guy that could be all Pac-12. I mean, when you think of like the best tight ends in the Pac-12 era, or the best tight end in the Pac-12 era. For Utah, it's Jake Murphy. Yeah. I think Cole Fotheringham is a guy that could kind of shatter that perception for Jake Murphy and have fans forget about what yeah. Jake did for this program. Which is crazy. I think Cole is really, really good. Like, yeah. Jake is a guy that um, had that he, he had NFL potential. So um, I'm, I'm excited to see what Cole's able to do. And, man, just having a tool like that for Tyler Huntley – in yeah. the passing game is really going to help out, especially with this young wide receiver core. I mean, yes, they are led by Britton Covey, but um, uh, Solomon Enos and Samson Akua. Um, well, I was just going to oh, say the, Solomon Enos and Jalen Dixon are, they're both really good players, but they're yes. still sophomores. Oh, yeah. They're super young. Yeah. Samson Nakua is kind of, um, and Britton are kind of like those upperclassmen, as well as um, uh, Damari Simpkins, the third piece of that, the Hollandel trio. Yeah. Uh, out of Miami with um, Huntley and Moss. Um, and then another guy is Brian Thompson, who, uh, talking to um, Trevor Allen, who do- hosts the Crimson Corner podcast for KSLSports.com, I think he said that he talked to Brian, and Brian is looking pretty good. I mean, again, we can't, we aren't seeing what's going on in Utah football practice because they've closed yes. practices. We do get access to a footage that has Google Drive. Mm-hmm. Great footage that, that the U provides to us. It's it's actually really beneficial. Yeah, um, especially for us TV guys to Shouts be to able Paul to access Kirk. that. Yeah, thank you to Paul Kirk and the SID crew um, up at the U. But we're not seeing how these guys are reacting in practice on a daily basis, and so we're kind of taking the the word that they're getting. Yeah. Um, from fall camp, and we're just kind of regurgitating what yeah. what they're telling <laughs> us, and so we got to take. Um, there is a little bit of lip service that does come with it, but yeah. at the same time, like you got to trust that um, the relationship between a reporter and uh, uh, a football player or a coach that they're um, being honest in their insights and yeah. they're giving us. So, so um, I, I fully trust what they're doing. I think everything's fine over there. In fact, it's great because let's talk about the main part of the offense, Tyler Huntley. Um, from what I've seen, he looks good. And from what I've heard, he's put on like 20, 25 pounds. That was the thing with Tyler Huntley last year, or every year, in fact, that Tyler's played, is his durability. Is he able to go the long season um, without getting hurt? And, you know, last year was just kind of another part of the proof that, you know, Tyler Huntley maybe was a little too light. Um, with the player that's as dynamic as he is with his feet, with his arm, you got to have a little bit of uh, beef in there to to, to be able be able to play every down to weather the storm. Now, um, Tyler Huntley looks good, but if God forbid he goes down, the youths have to have some comfort in knowing that Jason Shelley did a lot of the heavy lifting last year, and he did a pretty good job. He was the hero of the BYU game. Yeah, and Jason Shelley is just as mobile. His arms 
um, pretty good. Uh, I don't know how it compares to Tyler Huntley. I think Tyler Huntley is a little bit better on the passes, but mm-hmm. um, Jason Shelley is a very serviceable, very good backup. And so if the Utes are looking, which they are, to win a Pac-12 championship this year, they're going to have to keep both those guys healthy. And uh, if something happens to Tyler Huntley, I think Jason Shelley could go the distance. Um, yeah. Well, and they're not going to ride or die by this offense because their defense is stacked. Oh, yeah. We haven't even talked about their defense, but their defense basically is returning with the exception of like Chase Hansen and uh, Cody Barton, Cody Barton and Marquise Blair and Marquise Blair. Those are the three main pieces that they lose. But you return Lucky Foto, who's just going to be an animal. I mean, um, we didn't even mention Kyrus Tonga in the, BY- oh, in the BYU. when we talked about BYU, just because it, so much um, focus has been on the offense for BYU through the first little bit of fall camp, just because there's some questions. Yeah. But um, we'll, we'll talk more about BYU's defense next week. How about that? Yeah. Uh, kind of do a deep dive, because my plan is to talk with some guys on the defense side cool. of the ball next week. But but another big guy on the defense for for Utah who's comparable. I mean, Lucky Foto is a beast. Yeah, Lucky Foto is a beast. The Six interior five, defense. Yeah, the interior and defense is huge. You have uh, Bradley and I who... Yeah, is potentially the best defensive end, rush end, mm-hmm. pass rusher in in the Pac-12. Um, yeah, Max one thing tu- that did happen. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. talk about Max. Yeah, Max Tupai, like he's he's returning another inside guy. That's just he's going to be a beast too. Yeah. Anyways, Bradley um, and I, my favorite player on the defense, probably. Yeah, he's yeah. a baller. Uh, what I was going to say is one thing. Utah did take a little bit of a blow on the first day of fall camp at that linebacker position. Manny Bowen. The grad yeah. transfer from Penn State, someone that we were expecting a lot of things from, he decided to retire from football for a business opportunity. So it's next man up. Yeah. Um, and uh, they still have Francis Bernard there at that position. But um, at the linebacker position, it's going to be uh, Devin Lloyd stepping up. And they're only going to play two linebackers most of the time because they play right. that nickel defense. Mm-hmm. Their defensive backfield is really good. And again, if you guys want a full in-depth breakdown, go check out our Utah Utes season preview because we break down each of the, these mm-hmm. positions. We just don't have the time to do this every single podcast right. and repeat ourselves about, hey, this Everything. guy's great, this guy's great, this guy's yeah. great. We've you definitely talked so about these times. guys. We've talked about these guys, so go back and check that out in our feed. Previously, that was actually our last episode, but I'm very excited um, about this Utah defense. Um, I mean, I'm Excited to see what Devin Lloyd's able to do with the opportunity to start. I like his measurable 6'3", 235. Kind of was a standout for special teams last year as a freshman for the Utes. But um, let's go ahead and uh, head further up north yeah. to Logan. Um, some I, New coaching staff. That's the first thing. New old coaching staff. New old coaching staff. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Sure, kind of. Uh, new defensive coordinator, Justin Anna, who is coming from um, Utah. He's the linebackers coach there. Now the defensive coordinator. Um, new offensive coordinator, Mike Sanford, who mm-hmm. I th- believe was previously with Toledo or Akron. I don't know. Something like that. I yeah. always get Toledo and Akron mixed up. <laughs> he came from one of the two, I think. Yeah. Sorry, Aggie fans, if I get that wrong. Mike Sanford Jr., he's going to be a great offensive coordinator. But Gary Anderson's back in Logan. Um, Frank Miley's still in Logan. Frank Miley's still in Logan. That I think that that was one of the most important Absolutely. pieces to keep on that staff because for how dirty those kids were done last year in Logan after 
one of the best seasons in program history. Essentially stripped of their coaching staff, basically. Before their bowl game. Before Frank their bowl Miley game. Frank Miley stuck it out. Yeah. He's there with the Aggies. He loves these boys. Like, he wants to be there to fight with them. Um, he's the assistant head coach now. He's also coaching the tight ends. Um, having him in that locker room is a big, big, big deal for the Utah State yeah. Aggies. Now, with with this new coaching staff, there are some question marks about this offense because right. they lose a lot of guys. Uh, a lot of they can, they did a lot of heavy lifting. These guys, yeah. You you lose Darwin Thompson, who was your leading rusher from last year. Mm-hmm. Ron Quavian Tarver, Aaron Vaughns was a big guy that they lost. Um, mm-hmm. Green, uh, twenty one. Um, oh, yeah. Dax Raymond left early for the NFL, um, and then you lose like Quinn Ficklin and Roman Andrus on the offensive mm-hmm. line, like. They're losing 75% of their offensive production. Is I, I believe that's what Gary Anderson told uh, Unrivaled on Friday night. He did an interview with them. They lose 75% of their offensive production. Now, they return the most important piece, which is Jordan Lovett quarterback. Yep. Gerald Bright is going to be a stud in the backfield. But it's going to be tough to replicate what they did last year because there's so many important pieces. You're going to lean on Savon Scarver, who they, they say that they're seeing really big things out of on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, after he was a star in the return game last year. Oh, he was amazing. I think he had like 300-plus yard run, runs for touchdowns last, last season. He led the country. He was an All-American kick returner as a sophomore. Yeah. And, you know, he's got the speed. He's got the hands. Um, he just needs a shot on the offense, and I think he's going to get it. Um, then we also return Gerald Bright, one of my favorite players in the, in the state. Gerald Bright <laughs> might be everyone's favorite player in the state. Absolutely. For those of you – that don't know about Gerald Bright, like you just gotta look up some of our interviews with him. Like oh, there was so good. when I was down at the New Mexico Bowl, um, we were doing an interview with him and Quinn Ficklin and Quinn Ficklin and, and Jordan Love. Quinn Ficklin and Jordan Love are just like all business. <laughs> all we're business. Like, we're here to win a game. Bow, we're not bow, going bow. out and spending time out on the uh out on the town. There's not really much to do That's in New great, Mexico. Great Quinn Ficklin. And by the way. You know, we're just here to do business. We yeah. go out on the practice field, and we go out back to our hotel room. And no we're fun. Here to win a game. Like, Quinn Ficklin, <laughs> man, that, that guy's story is awesome, by it's, the way. Yeah, great guy, great player. But he's all, all business. business. Like, he's just like, he like he's out there to accomplish a goal, and he, part of that goal is to just rip your freaking soul out from right. you on the football field. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway... He's like doing all this just stone faced, and Gerald Bright grabs the mic from Jeremiah <laughs> Jensen. He's like, "Yo, what, what up? up? <laughs> it's Gerald Bright with the Utah State Aggies." So good, and it's just one of the fun, like, and that's just that's so authentic to who he is. Yeah, like we had, um, we actually couldn't show this to anyone because, like, <laughs> um, it's against NCAA rules. But right, he couldn't name drop us or something. He couldn't like that, name basically. drop us, but anyway, he like. Matt Glade um, was doing an interview with him last year, and he, like, grabbed the mic. He's like, yo, tune in to KSL 5 TV News every Sunday night at 1045. And so it's just, like, something that, like, you can't can't promote. We can't use him, like, his image to promote us. But anyway, it it was just a funny story. He's just so – And he's just always doing stuff like that. Yeah. They're doing this Jordan Love for Heisman campaign, and at Media Day, like – Matt gave him like some of these like heart shaped mints that they're giving out, and he like pops it in his mouth. He's like smacking his lips, like <laughs> tastes like a Hosman to me. <laughs> that tastes like success, and it's just like who he is. Like he's just a really fun guy. Like 
I want him to. We're officially extending an invitation to Gerald Bright to come host oh, Sportsbeat After Hours. Please, that would be that would be a dream. We want come him as a true. guest. Yeah, that That'd would be, hilarious. be that would be awesome. We'd have a lot of fun with him. I don't know where it would go. It would go so many directions, and it would be so great. It'd but be so fun, Gerald. In case you ever listen to this, you were invited. Um, <laughs> some of the other question marks with Utah State, though, is like, how are they? Uh, how are they, besides this offense, like, how are they keeping that energy? Because they're coming off of one of the best seasons in program history. They have yeah. expectations in the Mountain West Conference this year, which um, it's been a minute since they had, like, really high yeah. expectations. They're picked second in the Mountain Division behind Boise State because, I mean, Boise State is year in and year out until they're it's dethroned. A they're a machine, yeah. Um, and I, I think that they're going to come out and they're going to come out with a really good energy this season. I think they're going to have a really good season again. I don't know that they'll match that 11 win total, but I think they'll have double digits by season's end. I So I've been going back and forth through this in my mind. I think Boise State's a great team. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like that Utah State was done dirty being picked second. And sure, preseason means nothing, but you know Utah State has Jordan Love coming back, Gerald Bright coming back. A I lot think of it's a Brian Harson thing. Sure, is why it must be. Though. Yeah, I mean it's. But then you think Gary Anderson's coming back, like he's not a stranger to the program or the culture or anything like that. So I can't help but feel like Utah State's going to win the Mountain Division, go back to the championship, Mountain West Championship, and probably play you know Fresno or San Diego State for the for the for the conference championship. And you know I don't know how many wins that's going to take, but I feel like they can make it. Um, at least make it interesting. They're going to win the championship, I think. Or make I it like it. Yeah. So if you guys want a, our full Utah State breakdown, again, go check out our podcast. <laughs> We've feed. talked about all this already. We're talking with Matt Glade, who's like the resident Aggie expert. He has his own Utah State podcast that's going to be launching very soon mm-hmm. for kslsports.com. I'm excited for Matt for this opportunity for him because – he knows Utah State inside and out. He knows this program really well. Yes. Um, but I think that's everything that we have for like these three major programs. Yeah. Um, again, we're so excited for football to be back. Uh, later this week, we are going to be doing a high school football preview. Yes. Um, maybe picking our, our favorites for each classification, um, who cool. we're expecting to see big things from. So uh, we're going to game plan that. But first, we actually had a really cool interview earlier this week. Um, in honor of the new um, Fast and Furious franchise movie, Hobbs and Shaw, uh, Pingy Moly, who's a friend of Hema, um, he joined us on the podcast to talk about, he's a, he was a stunt man, stunt actor. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about how he, how he got into the business. Basically, he was, if you've seen the movie, um, the part where they're in Samoa, he's part of, part of the Rock's family. And uh, you'll see him a lot there. Uh, West Valley's own, Pingy Moly. Um, it's going to be, it's, it's a good interview. So I'm excited. Yeah. We had a lot of fun with him. Really, really grateful for him. Um, hauling the whole family, all five kids and his wife yeah. by the station. Cause man, like wrangling in, like I have one kid, Emma, you have, you have two, mm-hmm. like wrangling in kids is hard. It's like, hard. Wrangling in one is hard. Five props to his wife. Like, uh, triplets. They have yeah, triplets. They have triplets. Like when I heard that, I was like, what? I wish the mic was on for that. But anyway, here's our interview with uh pingy moly. Enjoy. All right, welcome back to the Sports Beat After Hours podcast. I'm Hemi Mooley Jr. here with Zach Hicken. And 
our special guest, and we're super excited. Utah's own, the first Tongan stuntman in Hollywood, Bingy Moli. How, How you doing? Guys? Oh, good, good. <laughs> we're doing? glad to have you here. You guys, um, Tongans are just kind of taking over a lot of firsts for, for the sure. Tongan community in the last few years. First Tongan head coach in college football, Kalani Satake. Yeah. And we have the first Tongan stuntman. So, uh, yeah, this is really cool. And um, we brought you on because you were uh, in the Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw movie that we've been looking forward to we're since so, we saw the first trailer, what, so like six months ago? Yeah. Like, yeah. one, it's Fast and Furious, so we're all in. And two, two Hobbs and Shaw are awesome. Hobbs and Shaw. And yeah. three, like, it opened, it was the trailer that opens with them in Samoa. Quote unquote Samoa, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, this movie looks dope. And they're like wearing lava lavas and like, dude, it looked amazing. So we were stoked ever since we knew it was coming out. And you did a lot of work on that one. Um, tell us what it's like to work on Hobbs and Shaw, first of all. Oh, it was great, man. It was just like dream come true. Just, I mean, you can never complain when you're getting paid to do something you do for free, right? Yeah, <laughs> so sure. like you know, it's just like you know, basically just it was just kind of like for that time there, it was just kind of like a good confirmation of like all my hard work put in, and yeah, and um, you know, just living the dream, basically. Yeah, that's cool. And so you're from West Valley, right? Yep, West Valley. And uh, you went to Granger High School. Granger High School, go Lancers. <laughs> yeah, go Lancers. Local boy, done good. Like, how did you get from West Valley City, Utah, to Hollywood? working behind Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Like how did that even happen? <laughs> oh yeah, so um college football played um went to junior college then I transferred to UNLV. Okay. Um time was cut short there. Um transferred, things didn't work out at the University of Utah and then um you know, and I said cuz you know, sports talk, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. And so like kind of sitting there like, "Dang, what do I do next?" And so I had an opportunity where I did an NFL com- commercial and so they had me do some tackling stuff and oh, everything. So cool. I was like, man, this is cool, you know? <laughs> and it was like a one-day thing. And so yeah. I was like, you know, I, I, I kind of like, you know, after football, you know, was done, I was kind of like, man, what else can I do that yeah. I love? And so, I, you know, I, when I did that, I was like, oh, I love this. What, what's this similar to? I was asking people, and they're like, well, it's, it's stunt work, you know? Yeah. And so I, said, oh, I was like, well, okay. that's it. I want to do stunt work. And so um, someone passed 99 along, and a guy from Empire called. He's like, hey, you know, um, can you tackle our main actor? Empire the TV show. Empire the TV show, okay. yeah. And then they're like, hey, can you tackle our main actor? And I was like, done. Let's do it. So <laughs> that was shot in Chicago. And it was a big uh, scene where I kidnap the main actor, Hakeem. Okay. And kidnap him and take him to a warehouse and beat him up. What? And so, uh, yeah, what I did that. What episode is that? So we can look it up. Season and two, like episode nine or ten, somewhere oh, around dude, there. Oh, you know which one it is. You know which. If I was you, <laughs> you I would know. be like, yeah, at the ten minute mark is when you see my face. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I would be like, for sure. You're like, actually, I have a USB jump drive that I can <laughs> yeah, give yeah. you right here if you want to watch actually, it. Actually, pull up on the projector. <laughs> That's awesome. I would, yeah, dude, I would carry that around every day. Um, cool. And that was that was the big break? Was That was the start of it? That was the start because like in order to be to get into hollywood um you need your sag card oh right and so after i did the what commercial is, so what right? is a sag card just for those that don't yeah really so know. it's uh, it's a uh, uh, screen actors guild okay and um in order to be on camera anything talking whatever you need to be part of the union okay. and so it's you know hollywood pay the union, fees and everything pay the okay. fees and so but in order to get it it's not like you can buy away and you gotta have there's requirements and oh. one of the requirements is like one of the uh, requirements that trumps everything is you get Taft Hartley, and so wait what? Yeah, Taft Hartley. It's like you know an act like the Taft Hartley Act. 
Okay. Taft versus Hartley. Yeah. And so um, basically it allows because, you know, there's so they, there's few ways that get in, but it's it's hard mm. and it takes time. But then one that trumps it all is Taft Hartley, which is where, like, if you have a skill or special skill or something that they need and they can't find anywhere else, they're able to just pay a fee and then you, you're right into the oh. into the, in the union. And so I got lucky with that because they needed someone to tackle their actor. Gotcha. With a football background, and so they kind of expedited the process. Sort of what it was like. Yeah. So then, yeah. So then they just paid a fee, signed it, and then I was in. So that's cool. I got lucky on that one. Very lucky. So yeah, sure. The SAG card is a, a big deal for a lot of actors or anyone who works in Hollywood because, kind of, once you made it, like once you get it, you've kind of made it because it's it's an opportunity to be legit and be to get into Hollywood, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like. Um, some people will go there, bust tables for like 10 years and still don't get their SAG card. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I said I'm very lucky and blessed to have gotten that's that. That's cool, man. And, um, and just, and, but that's like, when you get your SAG card, it's just kind of like, all right, now it's time to find work and that's the hard part. So, you know. But that's where, that's where like an agent comes in though, right? Like. Yeah. Agents for actors is with stunts. There's no agent. Oh, it's all based off. Do yourself? It's a small stunt. The stunt community is a very small Wild. community. And um, it's kind of like. You know, Hollywood's a small place, so you, you, you do one bad thing, and it spreads like wildfire. And sure. so it's all based on – so as far as stunts, it's a small community, and it's based on reputation wow. and um, and relationships. And so – That's almost even cooler because that's like a small fraternity. Like not everyone in Hollywood can be a stuntman. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's really cool. So you start – you did Empire. What are some other names? I know you were on Mayans FC. Mayans, yeah. Or NC, I guess. Would be yeah. It. Yeah, spinoff of Sons of Anarchy. This actually says that you were on two episodes of Empire. You're credited in two episodes. Yeah, so the first episode, we kidnap him, then it kind of like leaves it on a cliffhanger. Okay. Like, oh my <laughs> gosh, what happened? <laughs> you know, you got to wait a whole week and then it comes back and, you know. So oh, you're, okay. you're credited cool. as Thug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thug, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, the cool. Thug that's that pretty cool. Me, yep. And that was your first uh, job that you got. First job, I, yep, very first job. In 2016 so cool. is what it says. Yep, and it's funny because the, the guy who hired me was actually the stunt double for Joe uh, Joe Ferrigno for the Hulk. He was oh. his stunt double throughout because oh, cool. he used to be a bodybuilder. And then so, you know, when he called me, he's actually just told me, to, hey, get to Chicago if you can, if you can't. You know, he's like, he's like, but it's a big opportunity. So scrambled what I had. And Damn. lucky I had, you know, credit on the airline and I flew out there. And <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So let me, t- let me ask you this question before we move on to more in-depth on Hobbs and Shaw and your experiences there. And um, how, how did you have to change your body from going straight from, like, collegiate football, like, athleticism – um, training to what do you do now? Like how how does that transition happen? Mm-hmm. What have you been doing actually? Yeah, so after I worked on the Empire uh, T show, I mean, I kind of was like, man, I'd love to do this, and um, I kind of looked around all the other stunt guys in the business, and I realized that like, wow, they're all martial artists because they're fight guys, okay, you know stuff. And I was like, well, I mean, I can't just tackle people forever. I mean, there's yeah. there's only so limited. <laughs> I probably like will work once every five years, right. and so I was like, just took two years off, and I started learning martial arts and lucky I had a a cousin who's actually very experienced in martial arts um um very high level like 20 years in and he was actually on the set of 300 helping those guys oh, he was part dang. of a gym called Jim Jones okay um which is like you know they um they they prepped 300 guys they prepped uh, man of steel 
And so he he trained me for two years, and then after that, it's like I, you know, then I made the move to Dang. L.A. and dived in and just hustled. <laughs> no, wor- no wonder. So I I follow you on Instagram. Uh, let's plug your Instagram real quick. It's at holy dot moly. It's holy dot m o l i. Yeah, <laughs> super cool follow. Um, I saw a photo of you on there, and you were like ripped. You had like thirty abs and stuff like that. Did that come from stunt training? Um, yeah, you know, well, I, I go just naturally this, like no, that. I go through this whole cycle, like where I like, I'll get into bodybuilding and then I'll start doing bodybuilding stuff. Then all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, I'm stiff. I can't throw a straight oh, yeah. jab. And then I'll like <laughs> stop the weights and I'll get back in like movement training. And then I'll lose, you know, that. Just and, so I just, and, then, and then I kind of gain a little weight cause you know, I'm Polynesian. So the genetics, yeah. <laughs> and so then the I just food. go through this cycle constantly of like, you know, trying to find the balance. <laughs> so I'm curious, um, once you get that first role, uh, how hard is it? Like, how long do you have to wait till that next one? Do the calls start coming in after you get that first oh, one? Oh, no. Like, um, even now, it's still, like, I mean, um, even just now, it's starting to come in. Um, You've not been as really much busy as I, like, the last two years. Uh, more so just within the last year. Okay. Um, so this past year, I've worked about every month. Um, but wow. before that, it was kind of like, well, after Empire, like I said, I didn't work anything for about two years, mm. you know, just because, you know, no one knew me. And um, and then I was just dedicated my time to learning martial arts. I was training. I was just picking up any side job. And I was like spending I was training twice a day to like catch get get up to speed. Gotcha. And um, and um, yeah. And so then because I knew I needed that skill to be a fight guy. So my goal was to be you know, the big, like a big guy and like the guy who could move the best, yeah. you know, out of all the big guys in Hollywood, you know, I wanted to have that title and I get that, you know, that makes sense because like I, we talk to NFL guys all the time and they talk about, especially like, uh, we, we, okay. He's not an NFL guy yet, but, uh, Justin Herbert is the quarterback for Oregon. And he talks about how Panay Sewell, um, his offensive lineman is the, the fastest big guy he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a Polynesian thing where, like, mm-hmm. we have big bodies, but for some reason we know how to carry it. We know how to be agile. Yeah. And I really think, like, what you're saying, that's the niche you're trying to get into. Like, yeah. a big body that can move and do those those mm-hmm. kinds of things, huh? I think that's super interesting. Yeah, because one of the guys, I, there's a team that I've trained with a couple of times. Um, they're called the 8711 Action Team, and they're the guys behind, like, John Wick, Deadpool, oh, Atomic Blonde, you know. And so they have a facility where they're training. I was training with them, and one of the guys was like, hey, he's like, hey, man, you were great. Just, um, he's like, and it's important, you know, so, like, try to, you know, feed that, you know, like okay. that, you know, and carry that title because he's like, it's hard to find a big guy to do a one-on-one fight with a main lead actress and, like, you know, f- like, be, like we're holding our breath, hoping he doesn't punch her in the face or something, sure. you know. Yeah. You know, and because like big guys tend to be clumsy, you know. And right. so like he's like, you know, he's like, you know, keep grinding along, and you know, I'm, you know, I obviously I don't, like, you know, I'm still in the in the in the grind of trying to build that reputation, but yeah. you know, you know, guys along the way, coordinators who hire me, they'll they'll tell me that like, hey, you know, you move great, keep building that, keep keep working on that, you know. Dude, having a having a name like the stunt team for John Wick will definitely help your resume, I think. For sure. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that John Wick does all right. It's, a, it's an okay. <laughs> Maybe you've not heard yeah. of it. Yeah. No. <laughs> Whatever. Um, that's awesome, dude. Okay. So now, do you have any other questions? No, you okay. go, go on. Okay. So let's okay, let's dive into um, a little bit about your experience with Hobbs and Shaw. What was that like? Did you know? Actually, let's start with this. How the heck did you get into Hobbs and Shaw? 
Like, how did you get that gig? Oh, it came from it came from referral. So, um, a, a guy who's been a mentor to me, his name is Sala Baker, and um, he was actually the Lord of the Rings, us uh, um, Sauron. And uh, oh, cool. So yeah, and so he was, uh, you know, he's been he's been like twenty years in. Everyone yeah. knows his name. He works all okay. the time. Turning down work at that point. Okay. So, <laughs> so he calls me and is like, hey, you know, I want to put you in for Hobbs and Shaw. They're looking for, wow. for Polynesians. And so I was like, great. You know, he's like, he's like, and, you know, I've already built this trust with him every time that he feels confident in putting my name. So yeah. he, he passed my name along to Tanawai. Wow. And Tanawai's like, all right, we'll put a video together um, of you, like, of your movement, you know. Like, yeah. he's like, I want to see, like, some, some, any fighting skills you have and if you know how to ride a motorcycle, stuff like that. So I put a reel together, sent it to him, and... And then he's like, great, you know, I love it. You're That's in. I'm putting your name so in. And so cool. from there, I just got the call. <laughs> Man. So um, I think it was shot in Hawaii, right? Oh, Hawaii. you're wearing the shirt right now. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a shot <laughs> yeah. on location in Hawaii. Well, um, yeah. So what was that like um, the first day on set there, like for you personally? Oh, right when we land, we're in the office filling out paperwork, and then we start learning um, the Siva Tao right okay. away. So it's like, right when we get there, we're hitting the ground running. Yeah. And that's how, you know, movie productions, I mean, it's constantly go, 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 you know, just, yeah. just And so um, we start learning Siva Tao right away with Cliff Curtis. Cool. When we get there filling paper, Cliff Curtis comes and he's like, hey, um, you know, we're in the office, just the yeah. office where we fill out paper. And he's like, can everyone, can we, you know, since everyone's here, can we just start learning the Siva Tao? Like, so we're like, great. <laughs> wow. So we're right into it. And then Roman Reigns lands in and then he jumps in. And so we're just oh, wow. That's so right cool. there just learning, just, just already plugging in. So it's just, yeah. That's amazing. I'm, this is how big a nerd I am. Like, so my... My mom's Maori, for those listeners who aren't really aware, um, and one of my grandpa's brothers was in Whale Rider. I don't know if you saw Whale Rider. Oh, wh- well, yep, Whale and, Rider. <laughs> you know, Cliff Curtis was in that movie, too, mm. and it's just such a nerdy thing for me to look at him, and I, instantly I think, oh, that's the Whale Rider guy. Yeah. That's Whale Rider's dad. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever, her, Pakea or whatever her name yeah. is. I forget. Pakea. That's awesome. <clears throat> Anyways. Um, I'm wondering, like, how long are you on set for a job like this? Oh, well, we were there for about five weeks, and wow. Um, well, initially when they called, they were like, "Okay, are you available between like?" And it was like five days. Okay. And then a couple of days later, actually, can you be out there for two weeks? And then they're like, <laughs> like and then a few days go by, and like, actually, can you can you do three weeks? <laughs> and then after that, they're like, "Okay, block out five weeks." And they're like, "All right, here you go." So it's just kind of like <laughs> yeah. you know, because things change, and yeah, so sure. weather, and so, yeah, yeah, everything like that. And every day, um, and. One of the days I was on set for like 17 hours. And wow. so, oh my you know, and so like it's just, but average about 12 hours on set, you know, 10 to 12 hours, you know. So it's not like you're just going out there relaxing. Like you're working really hard that whole five weeks that you're there. Yeah, working. But, you know, it's crazy because like I've done like, you know, I've done every kind of job from security, like, you know, doorman at the club yeah. to like, yeah. like UPS. And so like, you know, four hours there kills me. And so like, but like 17 hours, I didn't even realize it blew by. So mm. like, it's like being there 17 hours, I didn't, it didn't bother me one bit. I, you know, I love it. <laughs> so definitely like working in something that is fun. It yeah. Probably makes the whole difference there. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So let, I want to show you a picture that I dug up from your Instagram. And I have two parts to this question. A, was this on your reel? And the second part is, did you send this to oh, to The Rock? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Have you seen that? We'll, have to, we'll put that on our, on our Twitter <laughs> yeah, account. Yeah, we'll put this on the Twitter yeah. account. It's you dressed up as The Rock from like the 90s or yeah. whatever. Did you show him that? No? Well, you know, I actually is. <laughs> So, you know, I, cause you know, me and the boys like who played like 
the family. So like Roman Reigns and some yeah. other guys, you know, I pulled it out. John Tui, I pulled it out, and we were just on set and they're shooting. I showed them, you know, and then everyone was like trying to hold in their laugh. And after, and then you know, after they're like, you know, his 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 personal photographer is right in there, and they're like call him over and like, you know, I show him and he's like, go show DJ right now. And then, but then the other boys like, nah, for the boys, you know, <laughs> like so, you know, like you know, so you know, I you know, I was, but I didn't want to be like get all ball yeah, in DJ's yeah. face because he's such a cool guy. Yeah. Always come say what's up, but he's such a busy man. And, sure. And you know, right and at cut, you know, people are like coming in and like, hey, like you know, this he's like other decisions, Every, and yeah, then back yeah. on set, and he's in the scene. And then often, then now he's people are like asking this, you know, and he's checking emails and you know, phone dinging, and so like you know, so you know, great guy, and but um, definitely a you know businessman, you sure. know. So you know, I don't want to get so like that's why you know, you and, it, yeah. you know, Roman Reigns looked at me and he's like, he's like for the boys, and, you know, just keep for the boys. You know? <laughs> Dude, what was it like uh, working with Roman Reigns? That's awesome. I mean, he's like one of the next WWE like superstars. Oh yeah, I think he's the face of the WWE. Yeah, so, him as well. Such a great guy. Um, yeah, and so there's a scene where we we're shooting in the house, and um, it was about two to three weeks, and so we were there just shooting that scene, um, and um, we just you know a lot of times it's like you know especially sometimes they'll change the camera angle, and if you're not in it, then you just kind of just hang out, and so we just shoot the breeze a lot. Um, yeah. Really down to earth guy. Um, I had been out of loop with the WWE for a while, but yeah. I knew he was he was in it. And um, but it wasn't an after until we I got home from Hawaii that I was like, all right, let me check out the WWE. And I realized <laughs> yeah. he was like, he's awesome, he's yeah. the yeah. guy. Yeah. And so I was like, oh man, you know, you I wouldn't think that because how chill he was. Oh, and just that's interesting. How we just chopped it up, and I was like, you know, and so I was like, oh wow, okay. Tell me, tell me a little about a little bit about how he. Because he's he's not an actor, you know. He comes from the WWE, so he's an actor. Uh, it's very a different way of acting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me yeah. a little bit about that part. Yeah. So I mean, like, I feel like you know, with wrestling, um, you know, they're they're actors, but it's like I look at it as like um, they're theater yeah. versus like you know TV. Because right. you know, on TV, you know, you do things like if you do, you know, normally if I did a smirk in real life, you know, it's, it looks normal. But if you do that same thing, it's like huge on camera yeah, so right. so um i think you know with him he, i think he did great as an actor um i think you know like especially transitioning from the wwe like you know that their style versus you know the camera style you know i think he did great and so especially his fight scene his fight scene was intense you know he did he did his uh finisher moves oh he did okay <laughs> he did both awesome. of them samoan drop and the spear and so uh, great choreography yeah that's awesome dude um yeah, there's so many questions. I just can't think of which one to ask right now. Well, another movie that you worked on, we'll get back to Hobbs and Shaw as yeah. we have more questions, but another movie that you worked on that ended up being kind of a big hit was Bird Box. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was that like? Oh, that was great. So the guy who, the, who the, the stunt coordinator for that, his name is Melosi Leonard, and he's actually from, he's from, um, he's from West Valley. What? Yeah, so he grew up here and then he left West Valley at like, 11 or something like that. Wait, so what's his name? Malosi Leonard. He's, Malosi. he's half white, half Samoan. Okay. And, um, you know, his. Uh, I went to high school with his little brothers. Oh, cool. And so, uh, you know, um, and so, like, yeah, then, you know, and then his dad, his mom remarried, and um, she remarried a guy, um, uh, Terry Leonard, and he's, okay. like, a legendary second-unit director stuntman. He oh, was cool. the stunt double for Indiana Jones. Oh, that's what? really cool. And so, um, and so, yeah, he was his stunner one. Then he became the second unit director for the Indiana Jones. But he's pretty much on. If you look up Terry Leonard's IMDb, it's oh. like filled with legendary sure. movies. And so, um, and so, yeah, and so, 
um, he's been a great mentor to me. Um, That's cool. And so, you know, I'm lucky to have a few great mentors and all of them, you know, it's very black and white and they're not afraid, you know, because, you know, they want me to succeed. So they, you know, and so um, he he brought me on to Bird Box and, um, yeah, spent some time doing stunts there, but he was a full-time stunt coordinator on that. Did you you get to, how much do you get to interact with the stars? Like, did you talk to Sandy Bullock or anything like that? Um, No, because, you know, like they're there for business. And so, like, you know, I mean, other than that, like initially, like, they had me doing is like knocking her over onto the pavement. Oh, gotcha. um, but then I was just so big and it was just, it didn't match the scene and they wanted, to, you know, if someone's running out cause it gets this chaotic scene and they just want someone to just come in and knock yeah. her over and it's just someone who matched it well. So, um, she joke around a little bit here and there, but I mean, and then offset, she just goes to her, her to seat. Do. Yeah. And then yeah. she's checking her emails, you know, yeah. they, they're all, you know, busy people, great people, you know, but you know, you know, they, their lives tend to be busy. So that's interesting. <laughs> So um, is a lot of this coordination done when you're reached out to um, – said a lot of it's word of mouth. Like there aren't mm-hmm. agents in <clears throat> being a stunt double or a stunt actor. Um, so is it like maybe like The Rock knew you um, from when you – your time on Hobbs and Shaw? So he might give like a suggestion to a director or is it like a producer or um, – a stunt coordinator like who is it that's like making these decisions or making suggestions and stuff like that for guys to bring on set yeah so um you know obviously the producers will be like um hey you know we need we're looking for you know these guys and so can you find them and they'll reach you know so like for instance in Hobbs and Shaw they're like you know we need we want about you know 10 Polynesian guys who are stuntmen um problem is there's not 10 Polynesian stuntmen there's probably like eight of us and so Mm -hmm. you know um so you know so um, what they do is then they ask Tanawai. So The Rock was the producer on there, and so he asked his 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 stuntman, his, his cousin, because they're very close. And he yeah. says, "Hey, can you, can you find some guys?" You know. Yeah. And so then he reached wow. out to the guys who he knew, which is Salah Baker, and then Salah Baker. He's like, "Hey, you know anybody like that can do this, this, and this? Send him my way." And so Salah reached out to me, and so and now Tanawai has been, a, you know, now he's I, you know, he he's he's a friend of mine now, and so he's great, and so. Um, you know, it's 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 just a, it's all based on relationships yeah. and reputation. Yeah. Isn't also the sorry. This is kind of an aside. Doesn't his son play for like Virginia? Virginia. That's under right. uh, Mendenhall. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. We'll have to talk to him about that. That's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. Th- so this kind of brings me into like my next question. Like you said, there's not a lot of polys. They're looking for ten polys to, yeah. to play. There's like we have eight. <clears throat> that's all mm-hmm. we have. Um, how important is this for you? To not only being like the first Tongan stuntman in Hollywood, maybe first Tongan actor in Hollywood. I'm not quite sure. Um, how important is this for you to like represent the culture? And Polynesians understand that representing the culture for Tongans, Samoans, uh, Fijians, whoever it may be. Yeah. How important is this? Oh, very important. I'm, I because I used to play football, so I totally yeah. know the pressure and kind of just the the reputation we have like when you're a young boy <laughs> you yeah. know you're like football is already you know it's already your destiny to where yeah. you're going and so you play high school football you play little league high school then you go to college and but not everyone gets to go to the nfl and so yeah. like a lot of times and i know a lot of friends and i know for me when i when football came to an end i kind of went through a little depression because i was like oh gosh you know like it was more so I lost hope because I was like, I've been banking on this, you know. It's like an identity thing. It right? is an identity, yeah. Like you said, we grew up thinking about all this stuff, and so when it finally doesn't pan out, and it, for me, it didn't pan out earlier in my life. Like I didn't get any college love at all, and I was like, now what? I don't know anything else. You know? Yeah, exactly. And so, um, yeah, I think that's that's super cool that 
that you have chosen a path that, like you said, many Polynesians don't don't follow. Um, we talked about too, like before the pod about like Tony Finau doing this a similar thing where it's oh, like yeah, a, golf, a different yeah. industry or whatever. <clears throat> um, so you follow this guy, and I th- I think, and he's my good friend Letty um, Faitala. Oh yeah, okay. Um, he's a he he does some acting and stuff like that, and he's a bodybuilder or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he talked about um, for this Hobbs and Shaw movie. We'll play the clip um, about this after. Um, he talks about how with the Hobbs and Shaw movie come out, he started a hashtag that said like "Rock Your Lava Lava" or something like that, mm-hmm. and he's like, "This is our Black Panther, basically." Yeah, because you know we don't have any other identities in Hollywood mm-hmm. um, that represent our people. So what do you think about these new, like the rock representing our people and these new, this like new era of like Polynesians in Hollywood? What do you think about that? Oh, I love it. Um, and I definitely think it's our time. I mean, guys like uh, the rock, uh-huh. um, Jason Momoa, you know, yeah, the guys, they've, they've created, they're like these, these trailblazers mm-hmm. and they're like, um, you know, the rocks put a lot of love towards our people and trying to put our people like more into movies. And, um, that's what I've noticed is like, um, now this is the time if you're Polynesian, you want to get into the film. Now's the time because for instance, they're doing auditions for the brothers for Hobbs and Shaw. And they first auditioned all the Polynesian actors in, in Hollywood, which is not very many. They didn't find what they liked, so then they opened the audition just freely open. They, they flew to Utah here to Utah. They did an open audition wow, here. Wow. Then they flew to Hawaii Anybody. and did an open audition. Now think about that, like yeah. a big blockbuster movie, <laughs> just doing an open audition for yeah, as as, a, as one find... of the supporting actors on the movie because there's just and the truth is because now there's becoming more work for Polynesians. I mean we're still far away, but sure. it's, it's great progress in them. Um, but you know there's just not enough, and every yeah. and I've been even on the Mayans they needed a Samoan gang and they couldn't find people, and they're pulling guys who are like there's some guys who drive um for the transportation, yeah, and they pulled them. They just wow. they're like hey come be one of the Samoan gangs. <laughs> By the by the way, oh go ahead. Oh no, you finish oh, up. By the way, uh, on the Mayans, you worked with uh, Peter. What's his Tuyasa Sopo? Tuyasa Sopo, yeah. Who I remember him yeah. in in Street Fighter, uh-huh. and I was like, that was the first Polynesian I'd ever seen on yeah. on the movie screen. Uh-huh. So I thought it was super duper cool. Um, but kind of going off of that um, that train of thought, that there's a lot more work for Polynesians. Do you think that's just because of the Rock? Like he's the biggest celebrity in Hollywood, and like his oh. popularity, and then. You have Jason Momoa, and then um, uh, Kelia, um, the played the bearded lady, and uh, oh, oh yeah, Kelly, uh, Kiala. Um, it's like oh yeah, I know. Who yeah, you're, I know you're talking. You about. know who you're okay, yeah. or, or like a, a big movie for Disney animation yeah. like Moana. Yeah, that was really popular. Do you mm-hmm. think that's part of the reason why, and more people are just getting familiar with? Polynesian culture. I I think there's a there's a unique beauty to our to our people. You know, every culture has beauty, and so um, with our culture, you know, there's um, and like the Rocco says, you know, we have a mana, a special spirit, and so when people hear those stories, they they see, you know, the the haka, which is the Maori haka or the sivata. You know, people they feel that mana, and so like you know, people are curious, and so um, I think. Uh, the um, the rock's been done a great job as like exposing that and, yeah. and and pushing that and so like now people and people like it and then so like now you got writers and producers like let's make more you know yeah. let's let's feed it more and so I feel, and so with Hobbs and Shaw that's the first movie on big screen that uh, Samoa has yeah. been put on and um and you know hey you know I I hope it leads to more you know <laughs> for sure well 
Bingy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I wish we could talk to you for like another two hours. So we'll have to, we'll have to do this again <laughs> yeah, in yeah, the future. Sure. You're, you're sure. definitely welcome back. Yeah, and uh, we, we'll, we'll let you go. Um, but Hobbs and Shaw comes out this week. Uh, it should be out right now. It's in theaters, yeah. Yep. So we're gonna go see it tomorrow. Whether hopefully. you're Polynesian or not, if you have a lava lava, wear your lava lava to the. Uh, yeah, there it I'm is. gonna wear it for <laughs> sure. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you guys for. Yeah. Me. Thank you. Great interview. I just man, Zach. I just wish we had like two hours with the guy. We had to cut that short because we had stuff to do. But mm-hmm. man, I would love to to get him back on the pod, and I'm sure we will. Yeah. Um, they're going to be in there. He's moving. He lives in L.A. now. So I think uh, we're going to have to go to L.A. sometime. I like that maybe idea. he'll give us a tour. I like that idea. Um, but great things. I just love that. Uh, you know, he's really representing the culture and what he's doing. Um, there's not a lot of us. In fact, one of my friends said this, said it best. You know, he talks about how the Polynesian community, whether you're Samoan, Tongan, Fijian, whatever, you need to go out and support this movie. Um Here's a sound clip of what he had to say. I'm super excited for The Rock's movie, Hobbs and Shaw, coming out. It's going to be the first time we get to see the Samoan culture be represented on the big screen. So I'm going to rock my lava lava. I'm inviting everybody else to rock your lava lava, whether you're Hawaiian, Tongan, Samoan, Tahitian, Fijian, whatever, man. This is for all of us. We're the minority, minority, minority. And this is kind of our Black Panther moment, you know, where our people can uh, wear something that represents us and you'll see it on screen. Please, I know on the island sometimes you rock the lava lava, commando, wear something underneath. Hashtag rock your lava lava. <laughs> Let's go. So, yeah, uh, we were supposed to watch this movie. We didn't actually get to. Yeah, cause... so here's the backstory. We kind of teased it earlier. Um, yesterday, I'm heading to work at like 2 o'clock. And I want to support my boy, Mitch Harper, on Cougar yeah. Sports Saturday. So I tune over to uh, KSL News Radio, and it's dead static. Like, it's not even static. Nothing. Like, there's nothing playing over the air. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird. That's I wait, like right. I waited like two minutes. Yeah. Nothing. No commercials, no sound, nothing. So I had to stop to pull over to get some gas. And so while I'm getting gas, um, I pulled up Twitter, and I saw a tweet that said, all communications are black from uh, KSL, KSL, broadcast. KSL House. broadcast House. So that's TV, um, radio. radio, KSL.com, KSLTV.com, KSLSports.com. Yeah. All of it's like dead. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, what happened? And so I'm like looking, scrolling through Twitter. I find that there was like a power outage that led to a power surge that like led to the servers all crashing. Yeah. Anyway, I end up driving into work. I get to work and... The first thing I see when I walk in is like 25 engineers in Just our server room, around. like running like <laughs> crazy. These guys were working so hard yesterday. Like props to them. Like this is most of their day off. Yeah. Like they're probably out enjoying time with their family. They came in and saved our behinds because what happened was um, we had pre-taped just to kind of give you guys like an, an idea of like what goes on behind the scenes sometimes. In TV, we had pre-taped our Utah State preview for Sportsbeat. Yeah. And so our plan was to come in at 2 or 3 o'clock. Run um, that tape. Put everything together, <laughs> like, super quickly. Just put on the fi- finishing touches. Deliver it to Master Control so they could put it on the air. Well, what happened is everything was down. 
We couldn't access the internet. We couldn't access our video editing services. We couldn't access our rundowns where all the scripts are. We couldn't access our FTP, which is where all the files are located. We couldn't access um, our hard drives because they're network hard drives. They aren't on the computers. They're built on the network. We couldn't access our graphic software. Everything's down. And so we're just kind of like sitting around like kind of like twiddling our thumbs, but like also at the same time like trying to remain proactive. So we're like kind of like planning out things, connecting to like our our phone hotspots yeah. to like just like get what we can done by like connecting to like Google Drive or like Microsoft Word to like write scripts and stuff like that. Like this is this is how bad it was. We were resort we were gonna resort to like manually putting these videos together, putting them on a like a hard drive and then like running it to the next to the control room like yes physically taking it yeah like a physical tape like this isn't something that anyone's done since like the 90s <laughs> like um what what's the movie is it broadcast news um the movie where like uh let me look it up real quick but um there's a scene in this movie that i'm thinking of where uh okay it is broadcast news um, so you haven't seen that, that movie? No. Okay. So it has Holly Hunter in it and she's like a reporter slash producer. Um, anyway, uh, Jack Nicholson's in it. Really good movie. Um, there's like this scene where she's like cutting tape uh-huh. and it is like sprinting to the control room to get this tape on air on time and it yeah. makes it with like seconds to go. But that's kind of how we felt yesterday. It's like, <laughs> cause we, uh, ended up like everything got back up online at like five, five ish. And 520, all of our software was back up. Yeah. And so we were planning to go to movie at like either 5 or 6 o'clock. Well, we had to hurry and edit everything and then send it all in. And we we got everything in at like 557 for our 6 o'clock show. Yeah. Like it was just crazy by the time that like we were done. We were just like so kind of frantic that we we're just like, okay, we can't even like leave broadcast house in case like this Something same thing happens. happens. Yeah. So we'll try and catch Hobbs and Shaw this week and then we'll come back and return report. We're going to give a big shout out to Pingy Moly. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably start clapping when I see him on the screen. But like, For oh, sure. I interviewed that guy. I'm going to, um, I'm totally going to film this on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bootleg copies of uh, Hobbs and Shaw courtesy of yeah. Mooley Jr. Just go to our Instagram live and yeah. you'll see the whole movie. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, yeah, if uh, I think that kind of wraps everything up for today. So, yeah. um, if you guys haven't check out our college football previews, we break down each of the FBS programs. Sorry, Weber State. Sorry, SUU. Uh, we don't have time this year, but uh, you know we'll 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 keep updates on you throughout the year. Um, we're excited for football to be back. Yep. We got high school coming back next week. Um, we're gonna return and report. So, can't wait. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening to Sports Beat After Hours. I'm Hemahimali Jr. And he's Zach Higgins.